engineering teams always want to know where should they focus their time on, right? Should they be writing more integration tests? Should we, they be writing more end-to-end -end tests? Should, uh, you know, what is the right mixture there, right? So, so our philosophy there is in, in this microservices world, um, you know, there's a lot more dynamic interactions between components, right? There's a lot more API calls that are, uh, and it's generally chatty. It's like, you know, a service typically talks to uh, many other services and other databases and stuff like that. So um, I would always recommend like, you know, really focusing on integration testing. Welcome to the DevSec for Scale podcast, the show that makes security a first-class citizen for growing companies. My name is Jeremy Hest, Head of Developer Relations at Aquilas, the secrets management SaaS platform. Welcome back everyone to the DevSec for Scale podcast. I'm Jeremy Hess, Head of Developer Relations at Aquilas, and with me today is a really cool uh, guest. His name is Arjun Iyer. He's a CEO and co-founder of an awesome startup called Signadot, uh, and they do something really cool in terms of microservices testing that I didn't know existed. So it's really good to have you on the show, Arjun. And before we get into a little bit about yourself and what you've been doing and what you are up to now, let's just get straight into it. What would you say were the history sort of of testing, um, integration testing, E2E testing from the earlier days and then you know moving to like sort of the agile methods and then today to microservices? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on the show, Jeremy. It's, been, it's great to be here. Um, that's a great question. So let me just recap a little bit about how it used to be done in the monolithic days, right? When applications were built as uh, in a monolithic fashion. Um, so typically you will have, you know, a, a simple tier, like a front end, a middleware, and, and probably a database uh, on the back end. And typically you can test the whole application as a whole, right? So it's very easy to test the whole application entire end to end. So that's where the focus used to be, right? A lot more end-to-end -end testing, and obviously there's unit testing and other things, but um, mostly it was end-to-end -end testing that would be done on such a monolithic application, right? Um, with the with the need for sort of like as engineering organizations grew, people uh, companies started to break up the monolith into smaller pieces, typically referred to as microservices so that you can actually ship each component independently of each other. So now this gave the engineering teams a greater velocity and they can actually um, make changes in a more fine-grained manner within the overall application and they can fine tune the scalability and other things at a component level, not at the application level, right? So this was great to sort of like increase the velocity of the whole, whole organization. Um, but this introduces a lot of issues when it comes to testing, because now, even though each component is being developed and released independently, they need to be tested as a whole to really get that confidence that it works, right? Because your end users perceive the application as a whole, right? They wanna see the end-to-end uh, -end flows working for the end user as a user would use the application, right? So that's where the, um, the challenges come into play is how do I maintain that balance between me developing independently and moving fast and at the same time um, not introducing regressions or getting a much higher degree of confidence that my change hasn't broken uh, any core workflows um, that an end user would face um, as early as possible, right? Because I, uh, me as a developer would like to get that indication much, much earlier rather than finding some issues at like just before releasing to production or worst case in production, right? So that sort of is how I see the testing landscape 
um, the challenges that are introduced by the introduction of these sort of decentralized applications. Great, great stuff. So we're going to talk a lot more about uh, getting into the, the weeds of uh, microservices testing and things like that. Uh, but before we get there, why don't you go ahead, Arjun, and just introduce yourself. Tell us about, you know, where you come from, what your background is, and uh, how you got to Signadot today. Sure. Um, as you know, uh, um, my name is Arjun Iyer. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Signadot. Um, before Signadot, I used to work at AppDynamics. So we are a big uh, player in the APM space. So a lot very well versed with the observability space in general. Uh, so I spent about five years there. I built out the, um, internally it was called analytics, but externally it was called business IQ as the product and the platform. So I built that from ground up, scaled that to, uh, by the time I left after the acquisition by Cisco, uh, that itself was doing more than 100 million in ARR as a business. So it was a pretty, pretty successful um, product within um, the overall AppDynamics uh, suite of applications. Um, so that's kind of where I, uh, my team built everything cloud native. We, we were the first, one of the early teams to build everything in the cloud using microservices and later shifted everything to Kubernetes. And that's kind of where I um, sort of hit this problem. My, my team was spending far more time than I would have liked uh, dealing with these kind of issues, uh, you know, integration issues and other issues like very, very late in the process. Like they would spend a lot of time either in production issues or finding things on staging, um, which really, you know, took away a lot of cycles to work on the new features and new uh, innovate on uh, improving the lives of our customers. So, um, so that was where um, we started to think about like, why was it happening that way, right? And that led to the um, foundation of Signadoc. So, you know, we are tackling this problem of developers not being able to uh, be creative enough in their day-to-day uh, -day job because they are pulled into so many other things, um, like for example, debugging a staging issue or something like that which you know, sucks up a lot of developer uh, cycles, right? So um, that's what we're fixing at Signadot. Great stuff, great stuff. So let's get back into the testing itself. Um, we're talking about Kubernetes at this point. Um, you know, microservices is kind of synonymous these days with Kubernetes. Yeah. Um, and obviously Kubernetes is not a simple uh, tool. It, it, it's complex, especially now that you're talking about having to test all the various pods and, and, you know, make sure that they're keeping up with everything else. So can you give us a little bit about sort of like what makes it more complex to test in a Kubernetes type of environment, you know, things like tracking the changes to all the services and all the other issues that come up? Yeah. Um, like I mentioned earlier, it's kind of like the application is broken down into smaller pieces that move independently, right? So uh, if I'm a developer working on a few microservices, but the application is composed of, let's say, you know, 50 microservices, um, then I need to make sure that I test against the latest versions of all those other components, right? I may be working on just two or three services at my end, but there are 47 other services that I depend on, right? Including... Uh, cloud resources um, like databases and message queues, and uh, they could be potentially third-party APIs that I depend on and uh, the application depends on. So all of that needs to be set up in an environment, right? So, um, and that's kind of the main challenge that I realized is that developers don't have these access to these environments where they can actually test 
they are changes uh, where they get very high degree of very high quality feedback, right? I can I can definitely write unit tests and you know I can run some simple uh, integration tests in a CI environment, but those are usually like very local and uh, very limited because you know they're usually mocked uh, and they run in a very um, mocked up and a fake sort of like environment in the sense it doesn't really reproduce the behavior that I would see in production, right? So uh, even though that may be necessary, it, it is not sufficient, right? So um, so that's kind of what we felt is the, and the lack of environments is the main reason uh, why developers find it very hard to right, really understand or really test their changes uh, much earlier in the life cycle, right? So that's kind of the main thing that makes it challenging. And of course, the the actual uh, intricacies of Kubernetes, it's it's a separate thing. Uh, you know, definitely it has, um, it has made operationally the lives of DevOps and infrastructure folks much, much easier for sure by automating a lot of things that you don't need to worry about anymore. Uh, but the lives of developers are not necessarily simplified, right? There's still a lot of learning curve to learning, understanding how Kubernetes works. And so what developers need is a very simple interface, right? Like, because they are working on mostly the application layer. So they want to be able to like, hey, I've written this service or a bunch of services now, how do I test them in this uh, platform, right? So, so that's kind of where I feel there's a little bit of that disconnect where uh, the user experience is not necessarily where it needs to be when dealing with uh, systems like Kubernetes. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we're talking obviously about uh, testing on a staging level because we're we're trying to shift everything as left as possible. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if that wasn't obvious to anybody, I'll, I'm just saying it out loud. Um, and, you know, so what, what is, what are like the difficulties? I mean, in the staging environment, we're talking about an environment that lots of developers are working on at the same time. Uh, and so, you know, I feel like maybe it kind of could create some sort of, uh, you know, like a noisy neighbor type of problem. I mean, mm. it, it's a slightly different scenario, but just the idea is, is kind of similar. H how do you protect against that? How do you work, you know, with so many people all at the same time? Yeah, that's that's one of the fundamental issues uh, that we see uh, when companies rely on a shared staging environment, right? Um, the fact that it is shared um, now you're going to have uh, developers bump into each other because they're all using it as a testing uh, platform. And um, whenever you find issues, you're going to you know, roll back your changes and that's going to cause disruption to other teams that are relying on that environment to test their changes, right? And also it's another issue that we see is uh, even troubleshooting or root cause analysis of why some uh, regression happened is, is not so trivial because you have so many changes going into that environment from different teams. So even though it may seem like your services where the failure occurred, it may actually be some other teams changes that are the root cause of the issue, right? So that you see in that also take up a lot of time, uh, valuable time where developers are spending hours troubleshooting why staging broke, right? Um, so yeah, so these are the uh, couple of changes we've seen. So fundamentally, I think what is missing is, like you said, the lack of isolation, right? So you need to have an isolated environment where individual developers or individual teams can actually test in isolation um, and be able to test independently their changes uh, without impacting others, right? So that isolation is, is key here. Um, however, just 
the brute force approach of, okay, you, you know, maybe cloning a staging environment is a brute force approach. Like you can say, I'm going to have, give every team their own staging environment, right? Um, that does solve the isolation problem, but it comes at a very steep cost, right? So uh, these staging environments are not easy to clone. Like it's, it's very expensive because of the number of services involved and number of cloud resources involved, databases are to be set up and, there's so many interconnection, interconnected pieces that need to be spun up uh, to clone that environment. So, so it's kind of like, you know, people, usually companies are stuck between a rock and a hard place in the sense, either you, uh, you know, throw money at the problem and sort of uh, have independent environments, or you're stuck in a shared environment, which is very difficult, uh, you know, to, you know, people are going to block each other. Yeah, well, and and on top of that, the the next thing, you know, not just affecting each other, but also uh, trying to test against an environment that's not necessarily connected to where you are. If you're just working on a small piece, a feature, uh, you know, have, you know, a small change to make, uh, you know, you also want to make sure that you're testing uh, against the latest environment, right? So how, how do you make sure that you can still test against that latest environment without actually having to clone the whole environment and then run tests? Yeah. Yeah, and that's a great point because that is something that we see, is, especially in this dynamic environment where every microservice is independently being changed. Um, you know, you're working on a few pieces, but all the other pieces are changing as well, right? So how do you ensure that your test is valid? That is, you're always testing with the latest versions of all the dependencies. Uh, um, so that is a very key uh, issue as well. And um, that also doesn't, is not addressed by the cloning solution because, um, now all the clones need to be kept up to date, which is, you know, another maintenance nightmare, right? You got to like keep every staging environment or every QA environment um, up to date with the latest version of the main branch or the trunk branch. So um, that's the other uh, challenge that we see companies run into as well, where um, you're testing, if you're testing on a stale environment, your test itself is not valid anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and that's actually something, you know, I usually don't get into the technologies uh, of the companies, but because I find Signadot such a, a fantastically cool technology, uh, why don't you give us a little bit about how actually Signadot handles these situations? Absolutely. So at a high level, the there are a couple of intuitions that we uh, base the solutions on. Um, the first intuition is that um, you know in the microservices world. Uh, Typically, you have more frequent changes, uh, but smaller changes, right? So um, the change that you want to test are, you know, probably will touch, you know, a few microservices at a given time, maybe just one microservice uh, most of the time. So uh, in that case, you know, what we could do is, uh, or rather what we do is we only spin up the things that have changed. So think of it as like, you know, technically you can think of it as a copy on write model, right? So that's kind of what is used in, in memory systems and things like that. So uh, similar philosophy of like, you know, just duplicate or copy the things that have changed, but keep the rest of the environment the same, right? So that's one sort of like intuition, how we spin up these environments called the sandbox environments, right? So, so essentially that's how Signadot works is, it um, allows you to spin up sandbox environments that are all uh, co-located on a single Kubernetes cluster, right? So you can install Kubernetes, uh, sorry, you can install Signadot on a staging cluster that you already have 
and be able to spawn these um, lightweight ephemeral environments called sandbox environments. Um, and the intuition, like I said, you know, the sandbox environments only spawn the things that are changed. So it makes it very easy to bring up an environment very, very quickly because it's only uh, spawning a few services and potentially databases that have changed or that need to be tested together. Um, the other intuition is that of isolation, right? Which we talked about earlier. And that's a very key aspect because you want each of these sandbox environment to be able to support testing uh, independently, right? Um, so then what we use is we use application level multi-tenancy um, to actually route, the, it's basically done at the request level. So we don't, we share the resources between the environments or we share the services between the environments, but the requests, the test requests that flow through the services are isolated based on which sandbox they're targeting, right? So, uh, so we have the ability to dynamically route the request to different sandbox environments. And by using dynamic routing, we allow a different request to be isolated to different sandbox uh, sandboxes, right? So um, that way we get the isolation aspect of it and it's tunable in the sense, um, and what I mean by tunable is you can decide to include more pieces if you want in your sandbox for greater isolation. Like an example is if I am a developer making a change to a database schema, uh, I might not only want to isolate my service, but I also want to isolate that database. Right. Um, so we have a plugin framework that allows you to spin up an ephemeral a schema or an ephemeral uh, resource um, that is tied to the lifecycle of sandboxes. So this way I can actually spin up just my service and my database and still be able to test in a complete environment. So yeah, this actually is, is also the other interesting part to me is how a developer, let's say, who's making a change right now uh, is sort of, there's someone who made a, an earlier change, let's say two minutes ago you know, and then the whole environment changed. This person's in the middle of updating a small feature, whatever it is, mm. how are they getting a live synchronization happening as they're coding saying, oh, there's a change that's happened. Go ahead and, you know, pull the branch again, you know, to see that the changes that were made or how does it synchronize with that? Yeah, and we get that because, um, because we, SignalArt is installed in an existing um, cluster, right? which has the baseline application running. So that environment, it's typically it'll be like a staging cluster or staging environment where it's continuously updated uh, using a CI CD process based on the main branch of every microservice, right? So because we are basing this sandbox environment on that same physical cluster, we automatically get this ability to always be having the latest version of the baseline. Right. So no matter even if I have like some other check and go into that environment um, two minutes ago, my sandbox is all, already using um, that latest version of the service, which is deployed in the baseline uh, cluster. And then my sandbox will still have the components that is still under development. Right. So it will still have those versions coming from a dev branch or something like that. But um, I'm actually guaranteed that I'm always testing against the latest version of the dependencies. Really cool. Uh... The last, the next question I have about sort of this this topic really is talking about how does integration and E2 E2E testing kind of, especially in microservices, how does it help the overall health of an organization's environments? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So there's two aspects to it, right? In terms of um, like develop like 
engineering teams always want to know where should they focus their time on, right? Should they be writing more integration tests? Should we, they be writing more end-to-end tests? Should, uh, you know, what is the right mixture there, right? So, so our philosophy there is in, in this microservices world, um, you know, there's a lot more dynamic interactions between components, right? There's a lot more API calls that are, uh, and it's generally chatty. It's like, you know, a service typically talks to uh, many other services and other databases and stuff like that. So um, I would always recommend like, you know, really focusing on integration testing because uh, that really tests those sort of linkages between pairwise linkages between services, right? That's kind of where the, the actual dynamic behavior can be tested. And, you know, you want to test that in a real environment um, uh, where you get high degree of uh, signal, testing signal, right? Uh, with the right data set, uh, preferably as close to production data set as possible. Um, so that's kind of where we, you know, we make it very easy to do that uh, by spinning these sandbox environments because you can do it on the fly um, and you can hook it up with the CI/CD process to automate it, right? It's because the only sustainable way an engineering team can scale uh, testing or scale uh, coverage is if you automate it. Like it's very difficult to you know keep up doing this manually beyond a certain amount of time, especially for regression testing, right? Um, so I think that's kind of one area where you know we really focus. We at least we em emphasize the need for integration testing a lot more. End-to-end uh, -end testing is also important, just because you have some core user flows that you don't want to be, uh, you don't want regressed. So in that uh, cases, I would say you know the bulk of the testing should be integration tests, and those can be decentralized. Like each team can have their own integration test that very nicely decentralizes based on the APIs of the microservices that each team or every uh, or developer owns. And that is so nicely decentralizable within the organization. So you can write, you can actually scale that up within the organization very, very easily, right? So that's a reason to really write more of integration tests. End-to-end uh, -end test, again, there's an ownership issue, like who owns the end-to-end -end test, right? Is it like, um, is it a central team? Is it a QA team? Like, so there's a little bit of, is it a front-end team? So our uh, guidance is like, you know, you should definitely have a suite of end-to-end -end tests that tests very core user flows, like the critical user flows. Like if you're an e-commerce uh, site, you want to make sure that people can actually search for products and buy it, right? Like uh, that flow is such a core flow, right? Whereas if a recommendation uh, service a recommendation doesn't work, it's not such a, a deal breaker, right? So identify these core flows of your application and have end-to-end -end tests that test those core flows, right? Um, and these core flows can be again tested using sandbox environments, uh, um, which uh, allow you to do end-to-end -end testing as well, right? But you don't want to have too many of end-to-end -end testing because um, they can be fairly brittle because they, you know, they span the complete end-to-end um, uh, -end sort of like flow from the front end to several backends. So you want to limit it to the core flows of the application that you want to uh, make sure that hasn't regressed. Great. So yeah. that actually kind of is an answer that you could give me for my last question, uh, which the last question I like to ask all my guests is what, sir, what sort of ideas uh, and tips would you have for developers today who don't necessarily have as much time to focus on security, but kind of what are some tips that you can give them that can help them, you know, focus on or get best practices sort of uh, insecurity while still making sure that they're able to get all their work done. Yeah, I, 
I would uh, strongly recommend a shift left uh, taking there. So as much as you can do, uh, you know, before you even merge code, right? I think that's the place you want to focus on as much as possible, um, like using linters and other security tools that can actually check your code in a static analysis of the code, as well as potentially using, um, you know, dynamic runtime analysis as well, right? Um, that could potentially be done either uh, you know, using tools like Signadot or other tools as well that could be done uh, as well on the runtime aspect. But but at a high level, I think the more you shift left, the better it is because much cheaper to fix it at that phase. And uh, you don't want you want to be in the flow while you're actually uh, you know as you're developing the feature or the functionality that you're actually coding up. That's the place where you want to find uh, these issues and be able to fix them on the fly. Like you don't want to have a disconnect. Um, you where you're finished coding and then you realize that there's something failed much much later in the process right so i would highly recommend the shift left philosophy even uh, especially in terms of security uh, checks and other uh, best practices um, and that is something that can scale within an organization as well so if every developer every team has a shift left sort of mentality and philosophy that scales very nicely as the engineering team scales so yeah fantastic Perfect, Arjun. It was great to have you on the show, um, and I want to wish you best of luck with Signadot. Um, really, really cool product, uh, great technology, uh, and I hope that uh, we can have a potential follow-up uh, later down the line uh, to see how you're doing uh, and how the company is doing. So thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And to everybody listening, stay secure. Thanks so much, Arjun. Have a good one. Thank you so much, Jeremy.